wandering journo at Stories That Matter Studios. I'm Nance Haxton, and this is The Streets of Your Town. The podcast that takes you on an audio journey highlighting a different slice of Australian life each episode. Buckle up to meet a great array of ordinary, everyday, incredible Australians. This podcast is brought to you by DM Podcasts, part of Diamantina Media, with more than 25 million downloads for a range of shows such as The Batuta Advocate and Chat 10 Looks 3. Streets of Your Town podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians on whose land this story was gathered, the Turrbal and Yagara peoples. I acknowledge that for tens of thousands of years, First Nations people walked this country and shared stories on this great land down under, and I walk in their footsteps today. I pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Rising from impoverished beginnings in communist China to international ballet dancer and author of best-selling autobiography Mao's Last Dancer, Li Xuing Singh has lived an enormous life on stages around the world. But as he tells us on this episode of Streets of Your Town, he is still full of gratitude for the opportunities he's been able to embrace, particularly his present role as Artistic Director of Queensland Ballet, a tenure which has just been extended. Mao's Last Dancer became an international bestseller and movie, but the role which he is most proud of is leading Queensland Ballet and its dancers. To celebrate his 10th year at the helm, he has personally curated a triple bill of his favourite works the company has performed. He is also about to open its new home, fulfilling a transformation he envisioned from when he first began. Yes, hello, uh, it's Nance Haxton here. How are you? Oh, I'm fine, thank you, Nance. How are you? Oh, very well. Thanks for making time for me today. I really appreciate oh, it, Lee. Oh, pleasure. <laughs> pleasure. Pleasure. Now, firstly, could I just check the correct pronunciation of your name? Lee Shwing Singh, is that right? Excellent. Oh, I have practiced that so hard, so <laughs> I'm glad. Very good. Very good. Well done. <laughs> But, uh, of course, the most exciting thing we're discussing today, it seems like there's almost a confluence of two really exciting events here, the Thomas Dixon Centre and Lee's Choice. So I just thought Mm. I'd see, did they come together or did you decide to do Lee's Choice to celebrate one or the other? I'm just interested in in how that developed. Well, just the uh, the stars have aligned beautifully (laughs) for, for the two things to be happening around the same time. Uh, but in, in, in truth, that, that Thomas Dickens Centre was uh, a little bit delayed. So it was supposed to be really last year sometime. And uh, so uh, because of COVID and everything, so it has been delayed until this year. Um, but Least Choice was always, always going to be a, pr- a program for my 10th year anniversary. Oh, so they've actually um, coincided well, I suppose, in the end. I know, that's right. So... Uh, so it's uh, quite uh, nicely aligned now, which is uh, quite beautiful. How did you choose the ballets that you've uh, got for Lee's Choice? It's incredibly hard, I have to say, because we have, for the last 10 years, we have done so many beautiful ballets and uh, even just brand new works, big or small, we had uh, nearly 40 brand new works created, specially created on the company. And plus some exciting existing works 
from various choreographers around the world. So we have done many beautiful ballets. So it was a very hard choice to narrow down to three exceptional works. But uh, in this case, uh, I really followed my heart saying, all right, which three works that, that is really stood out and I like to put them together as a program. And uh, uh, came out with these three works. One, one by Natalie Weir's Who We Are Left, which is a deeply emotive, war-themed uh, ballet uh, based on uh, Benjamin Britten's war requiem music, which is powerful with voices, with singing and all that. And uh, the second piece is Greg Horsman's Glass Concerto. Again, so both these two pieces were originally created on the company. So they were brand new creations. Uh, and uh, Greg Horsman's Glass Concerto is created for Philip Glass's music and is incredibly athletic, incredibly physical and exciting. It just feel, feels like you are out of breath by the time you finish watching it. <laughs> and put, put the dancers to that ultimate physical endurance test. But it is so breathtaking. And then the third one is a really iconic uh, ragtime music by the king of ragtime, Scott Japlin. Uh, is called the body's called Elite Single Patients by one of the best choreographers of our time, Sir Kenneth MacMillan. And luckily, both my wife and I had a privilege to work with him before he passed away. Oh, and, it, the, and they're all such uh, contrasting works. I mean, if I can Correct. S- start with uh, Sir Kenneth MacMillan's work, that must be incredible watching the dancers performing in a piece that means so much to you that you and Mary both performed in for Houston Ballet. Yeah, it was just one of these ballets that you end up having so much fun dancing it. Not only for the dancers having fun dancing it, but also for the audience going to get such pleasure watching it. So it's just going to just be a happy ballet that that is so uplifting for both dancers and the audience. And it sounds like uh, the the Greg Horshman piece, quite a physical endurance test from what you've said. It is very intense, so intense. So if you have, uh, um, uh, you know, if I'm not seeing ballet to its most physical test, uh, Greg Horshman's will certainly put that ball in that category. And you kept thinking, my God, the dancers are still going. They must be dying. They must be dying. I, I can tell you they are dying, but they are loving it at, at the same time. And quite a compliment to Greg as well. He was one of your first hires nine years ago. So really, uh, yes, a big compliment to him in many ways. Yeah, and obviously on the back of his uh, uh, record-breaking uh, recent production of The Sleeping Beauty last year, which was uh, broke our box office record yet again, which is just, he's a really a wonderful choreographer. And I think the Natalie Weir piece might be a pleasant surprise for people, but it sounds like you, you're quite an admirer of her choreography. Absolutely. Uh, she's so talented. She's, you know, in my opinion, she's one of the most talented choreographers in Australia today. And that's the reason I have engaged her as a resident choreographer. And I always admire her work. And she, her work is always quite emotional. And watching who we are left, uh, I remember the last time, just uh, leave me so emotionally touched. And uh, again, when I watch this ballet in the studio, 
I feel the same emotionally being touched as well. And I often walk, you know, walk out with tears in my eyes. And is it hard even for the dancers, do you find, to, to reach that oh, emotional they do. space? Correct. They do have to find that emotional level to be able to perform this ballet well. I think with clever choreographers, they do uh, tend to not just uh, challenge the dancers on the um, physical level, uh, technical level, but also on that emotional artistic level as well. And Natalie does that for the dancers. And is this a great opportunity for you, Lee, to look back over 10 years and look at what you've achieved? I'm very proud. Not uh, really, not just about myself, but really about the uh, team, the company that I uh, have uh, assembled uh, under me and the level of excellence they have been able to deliver on the stage in the last 10 years and to see the young talent coming uh, through the ranks and maturing and become better artists, better dancers and become stars in their own right. And this is immensely rewarding for me. Um, but also to see the company where it is now compared to 10 years ago, the growth have been absolutely phenomenal. I don't know how many companies in the world uh, could say we have done the same uh, in the uh, magnitude of growth, both professionally, artistically, and in the infrastructure sense. For example, we, you know, the thanks to the Queensland government, we have a $20 million brand new building for our academy at the Calvin Grove State College. And also we're just about completing uh, the new Tom Dixon Center, which is three years in the making from 2,000 square meters. When we move back, will be 12,000 square meters of space. This will become truly a cultural center for Queensland. And the really the investment we have made into the new works, giving people opportunities to choreograph, to dance, and to enjoy. And also, most importantly, I feel that the culture of Queensland Ballet is of aspirational, hardworking, the pursuit of perfection kind of culture. So I'm really proud of all of that. And I think it shows with the audiences, as you say, just last year, another record-breaking production, I think, really, as that standard has obviously um, just risen and improved, people have been coming in droves. Yes, yes. We have really vastly expanded the audience and the international calibre of choreographers, stagers, musicians, they all want to come now to work with the ballet company, with, with the Queensland Ballet, and also dancers want to come to dance here. So uh, it's, it's absolutely phenomenal. Many people are saying that Queensland Ballet now is truly a world-class ballet company, which I agree. You say it was three years in the making, and it looks like a beautiful building. It's been beautifully It done. is. It's going to be truly a world-class building. And I have traveled around the world uh, in, throughout my career. I've seen some spectacular buildings for dance, but this one will have to be way up there amongst one of the world's very best. What makes it so special? Oh, the, we have our own theatre there. That's, that's a rarity for any dance uh, company. And uh, we have six studios, which is all absolutely spacious studios. 
and uh, we also the building itself is uh, classified as uh, classified as the very top well qualified building W E L L, which uh, is there are really uh, no dance facility, no dance building in the world I'm aware of that qualifies for this highest wellness focused uh, qualification. And so, the, for example, the air quality, the lighting quality, the environmental aspect, uh, responsible aspect, all has to uh, qualify for the standard, for that standard. So it's the international uh, qualification certification. And so for us, we're going to have uh, the uh, wellness suite, the beautiful gardens, and the rooftop terrace. Plus, we're going to have a cafe and a bunker bar. So all of that is just makes this center very unique. But most importantly, with the theater and six studios, you're going to see tremendous creativity and energy coming out of those dance spaces. And I think with such a beautiful renovation, you would think that Queensland Ballet would keep it all to the, to yourself. But from what I can gather, it's actually you really want it to be very much used by the community as well. We do, we do. And I think, as I said, we would like to think this will be a uh, centre for a lot of uh, performing arts companies, particularly small to medium, because the theatre size won't be able to host very big uh, you know, companies. Um, but I think also would be for the general community classes, workshops, etc. So I think it's going to, this, this centre is truly going to be a magnet that attracts uh, talents and creatives and artists over many, many years to come. Oh, it sounds like quite a game changer, Liv. It's very exciting to be speaking to you today. So just to reflect finally before I let you go, thank you so much for the time you've given us today. But it must be amazing to look back, uh, not just on the last 10 years, but on your career. I mean, goodness, do you feel like you've lived your life in chapters almost? There's just so (laughs) many different places that you've you've been and where you've learnt, where you've left your influence. How do you reflect on all that? I know sometimes I still feel like I'm living a dream Uh, and uh, it's indeed a beautiful dream. You know, I obviously I had uh, wonderful success as a dancer, success as a stockbroker, success as an author. But I have to say one of the most rewarding, most satisfying chapter of my life would have to be directing the Queensland Ballet. Oh, that's incredible. And why do you think that is looking back? Oh, it is so satisfying to to help the young generation of uh, dancers to realize their dreams, their potential, to be able to bring them some of the most beautiful ballets, such as Manon, for example, later this year, and uh, Sleeping Beauty, Swan Lake, Dracula, we danced last year, which is a huge success. So work for them to work with world-class choreographers to help them to become the world-class dancers that they have the potential to become and to help to building a brand new school of six years of uh, of, uh, world's best training system, which is Vaganova, the Russian Vaganova training system, to bring that best system here. And to be able to see the positive effect, the positive impact ballet is making for our society in Queensland throughout Queensland, not just Brisbane, uh, is truly, truly satisfying. And I could not have dreamed 
that one day I would become a director, be able to pass on my knowledge and to be able to foster, nurture, and help a new generation of stars to go on making their own contributions uh, in the um, you know dance profession. So I think it's incredibly satisfying for me to to see that my hard work has translated to even more magical effects in the lives of others. Oh, that's wonderful, Lee. And if I could just ask one last question. My beautiful 12-year-old, Ronan, has asked if he could ask one question of you because he's reading Mao's Last Dancer <laughs> in Year 7. Right. <laughs> he's, he said, wow, wow. to ask you, what do you think when you look back of uh, your time in China and how that compares to Australia? Wow. I look back uh, my time in China, obviously it was not an easy life. It was uh, a poverty stricken. It was very uh, hard, a lot of struggles along the way. But what those struggles, what hardships have given me, this has made me a tougher, more resilient person. And also made me really appreciative and uh, really grateful for the opportunities I'm getting like in a society like America or Australia. So for me to have a wonderful life, uh, I'm living here in Australia with my wife and, and my three children. I feel I'm so blessed. I'm so, so grateful that I have an environment, have a beautiful environment full of opportunities in our society today. So I do hope your children and you know my children would really live their life with enormous gratitude and knowing that they are truly lucky in comparison to a lot of children uh, live in other countries but still have far far less than far less opportunities far much poorer uh, conditions than our children live in Australia. Oh, Lee, thank you so much today. Really appreciate it. Wonderful, wonderful. And good luck with all the show and with the opening. I'm sure it will be all beautiful. Thank you very much. (laughs) So wonderful to talk to you, Nance. Thanks so much. Okay, bye-bye. That was Queensland Ballet Artistic Director, Mao's Last Dancer, author and internationally renowned ballet dancer, Lee Shwing Singh, speaking to me for this episode of Streets of Your Town. Streets of Your Town is produced by Nance Haxton, a.k.a. The Wandering Journo, with production assistance from Michael Adams. That's it for this episode. I'm Nance Haxton. If you'd like to meet more everyday, incredible Australians, subscribe and listen to the back catalogue of Streets of Your Town, including Series 2, The Journo Project, on Apple Music, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please review and rate Streets of Your Town on your podcast provider, share the show with your mates, or join my wandering Journo tribe of supporters at the Streets of Your Town website site, soyt.substack.com.